Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Slytherin to my Gryffindor. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing really good, because I got one of the two other acceptable school options. Yeah, you got... I gave you the evil one, because I figured you'd appreciate it. I'm fine it. with that. Gryffindor's also good. I like a little shade. Yeah, Gryffindor. Or, I mean, uh, uh, Raven climbing. Yeah, Raven I like Claw, a little shade there. Ravenclaw's for nerds, but Eric, our very own third man in the booth... He's not a nerd. It's Eric, our very own Hufflepuff. Eric, how you doing? I am outraged. <laughs> maybe even Huffle pissed at you. <laughs> Hashtag Huffle, please do. Hashtag on with the show. Hashtag Huffle pride. Huffle, Hashtag- Huffle proud. So <laughs> actually, uh, Ravenclaw. Yeah, we life. found out that people are way too into the Harry Potter fandom this week and had a lot of fun in the pre-show. <laughs> Talking about um, this. <laughs> if you guys, I've heard uh, people have listened to the show, they said, man, it just sounds like you guys have so much fun. And yeah, literally for 15 minutes, we're reading internet comments on something un-Seahawks related, just I, making fun of people. I just did two 12-hour shifts, and this is what my heart needed. All right. Let's get into was, it, boys. This is very light. Seahawks Seahawks uh, had Thursday night football on a, on a Fox, Troy Aikman, Joe Buck. They're ready. To announce their way into our hearts, uh, uh, I hate them so much. Can we start with this? My wife Joe made Buck, fun of Joe Buck's hair. Joe Buck, <laughs> Joe Buck, formerly addicted to hair plugs, almost got him off TV. I don't think he's that bad. He's very he's fine, but they teamed medium. him up with the worst person. To Troy Aikman, boy, if he doesn't say one insightful thing every four quarters, and that is his job is to say insightful things. I think Booger McFarland is a better color analyst than than, uh, than Joe. Well, that's just because it's nice point. to turn on the TV and you see a graphic across your screen that says Booger. <laughs> that's like the best redeeming thing on my case. Like the Booger Mobile, it says Booger right on my television. It does. Uh, so that that's my take on on. Uh, on Troy Aikman. Uh, you guys had any Troy Aikman related comments? He didn't really... Yeah, I really like the part where Troy Aikman tries to re- re- to bring everything back to being about the 90s Cowboys. Yeah. That's my favorite part of every Troy Aikman pot. They run it, the football like we do. We controlled the rock with Emmett. It's like, shut up, man. I don't care about Emmett like, You know what, Troy Aikman? You're a mediocre quarterback being carried by a really good franchise. You are Alex Smith of the 90s. Shut your face. Ooh. Got him. Kevin got him right there. He, Two he, Alex Smiths and... We're gonna go collect. Knoxon. We're gonna collect their uh, two podcasts. Their bones He's gonna be his. hustle pissed. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so let's get into it. The Seahawks played the Packers Thursday night. Now we're over Troy Aikman. Let's get to the game. Seahawks were down at half, 20, 21 to seventeen. Well, really quickly, they were down 14-3 at the end of the first quarter Yeah, because we opened up by fumbling the football, a rare Chris Carson fumble, on the first offensive play. And you're saying they're going, well, piss. I wasn't because I just thought they of, scored, well, this is exactly they how the... immediately, too. Like, Aaron Jones got two carries and went straight this to the This is exactly yeah, like, how the playoff to game... Jimmy Graham and then immediately right ran it in. Yeah, but it was the playoff game in Seattle that we won. It, oh. The first half, it mirrored it. I wasn't ready to give up, but it was one of those things where you're suddenly going, really? I'll be this honest. This is the I beginning was, of the game? Thanks. I was super stoked. I was fired up. I was, like, by myself going, come on, let's take this team. And then I was like, ah, I'm going to cook dinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I had to rewind to watch things. So let's start off with the Seahawks, the defense, because their offense got off to such a hot start. I think it's a good place for us to start. The defense uh, started off cold, made some adjustments, did much better in the second half. Um, but there was definitely holes in the defense. We could not cover Devontae Adams. He went 10 receptions for a, a staggering 166 yards. Aaron Jones also very effective catching the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, Aaron Jones had five catches for 63 yards, including a, a nice uh, touchdown grab against Calitro, who should probably not set foot on an NFL football field now that Michael Kendricks is back. That's true. Um, we did shut down the running game pretty well, which was nice. Yeah, Calitro also gave up a nice long pass to Equinemius St. I don't want to talk about Calitro anymore. But I'm he, just gonna put that out there. But but I'm just letting you know he uh, he had a real day. Yeah, he it looked like he looked like what happens when you try and let Austin Calitro play for a football team. I just he's so young, and I don't want to just like bury him. But, but he's very limited, and in a defense that has just enough talent, he does not have just enough talent. You could get his production from many most other places. All right, let's get it. Let's get into the guys that that we really care about. Then the guys who are probably going to be here for multiple seasons. Frank start, Clark killed start, it. Okay. I was gonna start in the secondary, well, but Frank Clark did kill some. it in in set. He he for some reason was in coverage a, a, like multiple times. Don't do that. Don't 
whoever I did. I don't that. like don't, our linebackers deep in coverage anytime. Don't do he's not even linebacker. But a defensive end. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Injury. I'm why sorry. He, any of our front seven. Why was he out there covering Lance Kendricks? Don't do that. Why was why was Bobby Wagner out in coverage? Here's the thing is Clark out there in coverage that much worse than Kalitra out there in coverage? It's better. It's slightly better, but it, I don't right. want either thing. But I'd rather have him rushing the passer. Uh Rasheem Green did a nice job of cleaning up a sack. Uh Kalitra got a half sack that he stole from Jaron Reed, who would have the sack anyway. So, um, good job by Jaron Reed. Yeah, I thought that Reed and Clark were the were the clear. Reed was really good. Getting inside pressure is like the gold standard. Like if you can get four guy rushing with four guys is great. Getting pressure from the inside is really difficult to do, and we got it in spades. Like Jefferson was disruptive up the middle. So was Reed. Um, yeah, Reed. Reed's just been com- a dude all season. They combined for I think eight total pressures. Um, and yeah. Shamar Stefan uh, did all right in this game. Um, he kind of held his own in there. Yeah, he held his own. It was more like a like a nice lane assignments game for him. They made him ride, line up in nose a lot, which is a difficult assignment. I feel like, and he didn't he didn't like do anything that made him stand out in any positive or negative way, <laughs> which I, which is good. That that's what you want. Brandon Jackson had two pressures too. He Jacob Martin got a sack, um, which this is the first time since what was it 2012 or 2013 that two Seattle rookie defensive players got a sack. I think so it, that's interesting. The cool thing about Jacob Martin too is that so far this season he uh, he's like really been given like limited opportunities, but he's making the most of them, right? He's played like I think a hundred, hundred and nine snaps. I looked up hundred nine snaps, and he has twelve total pressures. Yeah, so he's a specialist. He's getting in there. He's he's making it happen in the limited opportunities that we're giving him. Uh, yeah, and then since we're up front, like let's talk run stops for a sec. Bobby Wagner beasting it up, five run stops, and Bobby had just a, like a fantastic game overall. Seven tackles. Uh, the five run stops. He was pretty good in coverage. Just gave up the three receptions for twenty seven yards. And it's a team that likes to throw short passes. Um, uses the short pass as kind of a, a run play. He was uh, someone who really helped us bottle that up. Um, which so, so uh, yeah, good good job by him. <laughs> that's that's my my take there. Yeah, the front four played really well, and Bobby Wagner reminded us why he's the best middle linebacker in football. Right, Just don't put him deep in coverage on the field. So Don't do it. I've been I've been warming up to this. Like uh, we need to draft the cornerback next year to challenge these guys. And this game didn't do anything to dissuade me from that. That take. Uh, Flowers gave up uh, a couple big passes to yeah, Devontae a really Adams. long one down the sideline that Griffin, was a backbreaker. Griffin gave up a fifty-seven yard pass to Devontae Adams. So there's, it's just these guys are are good, but they are not complete. And I think a little putting a little heat on them by picking up another cornerback wouldn't hurt. You know, keeping them. Because that's our that's our team style, right? Always compete. Yep. Uh, so I like that. McDougald was good in coverage, other than the one play where Tanya, where they they got pressure, they flushed the pocket. Aaron Jones or Aaron Rodgers moves to his right, and then Tanya just had a ton of time to get open, and McDougald like, kind of lost him, got lost a step on him, and gave up the fifty-four yard pass. Other than that, he was great. But yep. that's that's a rough one to give up. Yeah, that was just a really long pass where, uh, like you said, Brad was just caught out of position in a situation where he had to defend a guy for way too long. Like, that's where you really want your pass rush to be able to clean it up before it gets there. Another, th- another thing I have is that all three of Devontae Adams' catches against Trey Flowers went for first downs, which is something you generally don't you don't consider that a, a great performance. Uh, overall, defense played pretty good. They really put it together in the second half. I felt like the pressure started to pour on. Like, the... Most of the pressures were starting to come in the second half. The team really turned it on, switched it up into a higher gear, which was nice to see. Yeah, they especially had a rough first quarter. In the second quarter, they allowed pretty much one good drive. And then I agree, in the second half, they really ratcheted it up. Um, what you started seeing was, uh, first of all, they did a really good job of shutting down everybody except for Devontae Adams. Marquez Valdez-Gantling is the kind of guy that can get behind a defense. That didn't happen in this game. Uh, Jimmy Graham managed to go out of the game after busting up his hand by being a jerk and shoving it against somebody else's face mask repeatedly. So good for him. Uh, and then outside of that, like Equinemia St. Brown had one catch on four targets. So it really was, we couldn't stop Devontae Adams, but Devontae Adams was the only person we really couldn't stop. And I didn't feel like we had the cornerback skill to really even try to cover him. It was just like, we have to just kind of hope for the best here, and and he's gonna he's gonna beat us sometimes. Yeah, Which, I think it's becoming really clear that when it comes to uh, certain types of moves off the line, uh, Shaquille Griffin is susceptible to being beat, 
and yeah. that's just a reality that we have. And Trey started when Trey was against Adams, he started giving him so much room at the beginning of the play. He, he was had like, to. he was like, well, I'm just not going to get beat deep. I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to give up these eight yards. I'm, it's just good. What's going to happen? Draw a line in the sand. Yeah. So which is fine because he's a really good tackler. So. He kind of, you know, he draws the line in the sand and he says, well, you know, he's not going to beat me for 50, but I'll give up these eight and tackle him because I'm an awesome tackler. Yep. So that that's fine. If that's what if that was the game plan, they executed it well and it ended up in a win. So I'm, I'm A-OK with it. Well, it's funny if you look on paper, if you do it by math, you'll see that if you dink and dunk all game, you'll have a chance to win the game. But no one wants to do that unless you're Alex Smith. That's burn number three tonight. If... If you're in Rodgers, you're going to throw a downfield at some point. If you're playing that high percentage, you know, I'm not going to get bit, get beat deep mentality. It helps us win, and that's why we held him to three points in the second half. Uh, Michael Dixon, punt hub, flipping the field a couple of times. Had a 59-yard punt, 10 yards away from perfection. Hey, that's uh, going back to the beginning. Troy Aikman was very impressed with Michael Dixon. Thanks, Troy. Um, okay, you ready? You ready for offense now? Because I have a lot of comments about the offense. Let's talk it. I thought the offense had a pretty good day. Pretty, what do you think? Pretty awesome. Um, can I want to go something into something specific right off the bat? Um, uh, one thing Green Bay does, and they like to do. We've seen it in years past. They like to blitz. Uh, we knew it was going to come, and uh, the Seahawks only gave up two sacks the whole game. Uh, they both came from the left side. They were blitzed twelve times, and on those twelve plays, they went. Uh, nine for 12, seven, uh, 105 yards, two touchdowns. It's just a, and six first downs too on those, on those blitz plays when they got blitzed. The Seahawks offensive line is completely different than last year. It's, there's no two ways about it. In a game like this, that offensive line last year would have crumbled under that pressure. That would have been 12 blitzes and it would have been like three for 12 and it would have been a disaster. Four yards. Uh, the 140.6 NFL rating <laughs> that, that Russ put up in those bl- plays where he was blitzed is really, really good and it made a huge difference in this game. Um, and also all the sacks came from plays where he wasn't wasn't blitzed. He was, you know, so like they did a really good job picking up the blitz, reading the defense, taking what the defense gave them. They threw deep. They threw uh, two those two deep throws to the left side. Um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty pretty great performance for that for them. So, kind of piggybacking on your most recent comment, those two deep throws to the outside, uh, there was the one pass to David Moore where he just kind of got a step on the corner and uh, Russ dropped it in, and that was one where he ended up fumbling it out of bounds where he squeezed it out. Oh yeah. Uh, two things about that play: number one, I really like Russ's confidence. Moore has not had an excellent last couple of games. But Russ was willing to just drop one in the bucket on him anyway, which it's nice to see Russ with that kind of confidence. The second part of that is, man, our boy Pete, Uncle Petey, who very much understands the new catch rules. That's like the third time this season where he's like, nope, that's a catch. They, they gave David Moore a fumble in the play on Pro Football Focus, and then they like gave him like a big dumpster his rating. <laughs> they're like, that was a fumble then. It, maybe it's maybe it's a catch, but it's a fumble. Like, it was a fumble officially. Uh, he fumbled okay. forward out of bounds. So okay, and then uh, uh, the other one was the deep pass to Lockett, and I thought Lockett had a really nice game. Yeah, this isn't one of those ones where it jumps out as being excellent on the stat on the stats. But See, I disagree. Five like, catches on five targets is really important for a offense that's trying to keep on the move. Seventy one yards, move the chains three times, three first downs, and I think. One thing I think people should start looking at more is how many times did these receivers move the chains? Because if you catch it for eight yards, but on you know third and nine, then it's not that it's not a great play. It doesn't do anything. Like the teams, the teams will give you that, right? They'll give you a couple yards on a catch in third and long. So I like to see guys moving the chains. Doug moved the chains three times on his seven catches um, and got a touchdown as well. Doug got Baldwin officially back. I feel like he. Finally, it looks like the player that we expected him to be all year. Yeah, he looks healthier, and it, what it really allowed for was a much more dink-and-dunk offense. We had a couple of chunk plays, but Russ was 21 for 31, 7.3 yards um, per attempt on average. And when you look at the plays to the wide receivers, I mean, Lockett had a 34-yard catch and Moore had a 27-yard catch. There was another kind of longer catch in there. But they th- the one thing they did that was nice. But a lot of nice like eight to twelve yard receptions. Yeah, I was gonna eight say to fifteen. They threw, it, there. they threw it like over ten yards in the air, but like not like like a like a chuck it up super deep going for like it an all. out route, a comeback, yeah, a like hitch, a, like a regular crossing route where a guy just catches the ball ten yards down the field, gets an extra yard or two, and then fall falls down like like yeah. a normal like a normal passing play well, or like that flip play to Van Nett 
on one of the fir- on the first touchdown drive when he just kind of flips it out to Vanette on the line. I'm really liking Vanette's had a couple of those really nice catch- uh, catches where he'll kind of throw the block and then leak out the side. And it's like we talked about before, giving those outlet passes to Russ allows him to look for the deep pass, but still make an effective play if it's not there. Eric, how did you feel about Doug Baldwin's performance? I know you're a big Doug fan. Uh, I love Doug. I, I'm i happy with the performance. When you say he's back, I don't know. I think he's having a good season uh, considering his injury. I'm not ready to say he's back because back is kind of taking over yeah, games. Sorry, that's you're what, right. That's back, what Doug back did. Is, back is for the McRib. You're right. <laughs> McRib is back. Doug Baldwin, not quite oh. back like the McRib yet. Let's, if I, he'd have had like one of those 40-yarders, yeah. you'd be saying that he's back. But, but, he, had Honestly, seven, but he had seven catches and he is, moved the chains. It's a classic Doug Baldwin performance. It, it, is, it is, and it's great. And I like what Kevin said about uh, how this, you may not see Tyler Lockett as a standout in this game. And then, Nathan, you, you countered with, no, but I think it is. Here's the thing. This game wasn't super impressive by, uh, like... You know, really cool stats because Russ, you know, he had a lower uh, yards per pass average. He did um, catch one pass for negative 11 yards. That was the dumbest that play was in the, the dumbest world. Play. You're sitting there watching him do it and you're like, drop, 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 it drop, down. The dumbest play in the world was Monday Night Football when uh, Tyreek Hill took the, the punt out of the end zone and tried to return <laughs> it. And that, with like a minute left, I was like, dog. Hey man, uh, I knew you. Were, I knew you were stupid, but Tyreek's got a Tyreek. Pride, but pride <laughs> cometh before the fall, my friend. Um, I'll say this want, though, Eric. You want to hear a cool stat? Then, yeah. since you said this wasn't a cool stats game, all right. Rashad sure. Penny had That's eight rushes <laughs> for forty-six yards. Forty-six yards, yeah. Forty-seven Fifty-three yards. yards after contact. Sweet. Rashad Penny making it happen, and we saw it live well, in that action. That dude shakes and direction, doing all the cool stuff, getting that thirty-yard rush. I really awesome. just, uh, I want him to be durable, like any number of running backs in the past. Hey, Evan on Hawkwagger, where's your tattoo? Come on, let's go. <laughs> we're, all, we're all waiting. We're no, all I feel waiting. like this game was a solid game that helped us win by everyone contributing in a in a plus fashion. But I don't know. I I want to see Doug kick ass and take a game over Carolina. So let me talk about this in a different way. So let's take a look at the run game and let's analyze it from the players. First of all, Rashad Penny had double the number of carries that Mike Davis did. And I think that's a really relevant number. And Mike Davis still had a plus game, Kevin. Yeah, Mike Davis still happy. had a really solid game. Yeah. If you if, Actually, if you look at our DVOA scores, and I believe the same would hold true with our pro football focus scores, that we currently have three running backs that would each be the best running back on our team last year. By rating. Impressive. Um, a lot of that has to do with the fact we have a competent offensive line, which makes every running back look better. See Steelers, comma, space, Pittsburgh. But the other part of that is Rashad Penny had a really interesting game. Chris Carson moved the chains. He had a number of rushes that kind of kept the offense on time. 17 carries, 83 yards, had a touchdown, long of 15. Penny had the impressive run. And this is where it becomes the one-two punch. Carson is Mr. Reliable. He's not going to take any negative yards, and he's going to take what the defense has there. He gets he gets chunks of yardage, right? But he doesn't hit home runs. Very rarely. It's what it's like a 19-yard exactly. run. Yeah. Uh, the 30-yard run that Rashad, that Rashad Penny had is not something you really look for Carson to have. And what you see is one of two things is going to happen with Penny. Either Rashad Penny is going to begin to find his cutback lanes a little faster and start making more of those negative one-yard runs or zero-yard runs he's getting into like three- to five-yard runs. He's going to be a good efficiency runner that will make the first guy miss. Or if he keeps looking for the home run all the time, he's going to become a poor man Saquon Barkley. And I don't mean that in an insulting way. If this is a dude that you're giving 12 to 15 carries a game, and on any given carry, he has a shot at busting like a 40, 50-yard run, that's a guy that's really valuable in your offense, especially as a one-two punch with a Mr. Reliable like Chris Carson. Yeah, I was going to say, the thing about that is is we have the other guy to go with that really well. Carson, with the uh, he had 17 rushes, 83 yards, 4.9 yards per attempt, and critically, five first down runs. And he was really good at like... Oh, it's like the, it's fourth and one. He gets six yards, right? Like he just he you can really rely or on him. Third to, and four, or he gets six yards. Again. You can really rely on him to just not get to not get beat one on one like that. And he's not going to let some guy arm tackle him. He's going to get 
you he's going to get back to the line of scrimmage. He's going to make something happen. Like Chris Carson's really reliable. The thing about Chris Carson is he's not a home run hitter. I love him, but he's not a he's not going to he's not going to bust a bunch of fifty yard runs. That's what that's where Penny brings to the table that Carson doesn't. You're right, Kevin. I agree completely. Is, should, where does Mike Davis fit in this offense? Then is he just like a like a, he kind of spells the other dudes? He plays on third down some because he's a good blocker. I'd say this game is the perfect example of where he fits in. He's that guy who comes in when you need a little extra, when you need to give that break to someone else. He can catch a pass out of the backfield, but that's really not really what he's known for. He can pick up the quick four yards, but you're not expecting him to break it big. This is a great example. Mike Davis, yeah. he, he's taking a lesser role, but still contributing greatly. So a that, complimentary back. Of the, uh, exactly. of the eight times that uh, that a Seahawks running back pass blocked in this game, Mike Davis did it six of those times, I'm, and he was excellent. He's and a if, very good pass blocker. If I can say something really rude, I saw that J.D. McKissick is, uh, what is it, uh, labeled to return, or what's the phrase? He's, he's, he's designated to return. Where they have like two weeks to decide if they're gonna, you know, put him on the injured list or play him, and all I'm shutting him down. And I was just thinking, like, God forbid any injuries happen, but JD McKissick, please don't screw this up. I'll bring him back for CJ Prosize because at least he can return kicks. I guess, sure, but I, I, I think, don't want to see him in the I office. I just bring him back from Malik Turner, like bring him back and play him at wide receiver. Yeah, bring him yeah. back for somebody on the back end of the roster. I can agree with yeah, that. Malik, like we, we're carrying guys like Malik Turner is a guy who's on our roster right now. Like you just, you just, you can like, or we can get rid of our third tight end. Like, is Darrell Daniels really going to play anymore? Dixon is Dixon is humming, baby. Like, yeah. he's he's playing real good. Vanette is playing good. We don't need a third tight end. I I could see him just sliding right into that role. So the last thing I want to say about the offense is what I appreciate is this is the I think what we saw was the formula. Uh, 35 rushes, five of those were from Russ, um, and I believe, like, two or three of them were designed. And two. Uh, 31 pass attempts. So, a heavy dose of the pass, a really solid dose of the run, and we took a couple of shots downfield. And if a couple more of those shots would have hit, then those passing numbers would have been even more inflated. I think this is the formula of this offense looking at its best. You know, here's my take on the offense. You ready? George Fant ran one route, and that's it. Fuck you, Pete Carroll. Give me what I want. <laughs> I want to see George Fant catch a pass. I'm tired, tired, tired of all this, this uh, humming and hawing, all this. You're tempting me with this one pass route he runs a game. Give George the ball. I demand it. You know, Nathan, sometimes you don't take the tarp off and take the Ferrari out of the garage. Until it's really time to. Close I want you to out. take the Lamborghini out of the garage. So round give one of the playoffs. The ball against round one of the playoffs. Uh, no, this week we have this critical game against Carolina. Watch for that fan yeah. touchdown. If fan catches a touchdown, I'm going fade. to lose my mind. I just want you to. Can know, we call like, it the Phantom Score? I don't know. I, I, I'll just play that. I'll just go retweet that tweet where the guy called him George Fart, and we and we tweet it. <laughs> not funny. What <laughs> I <laughs> what I really want to see is what the wide receiver room has set up for a touchdown celebration on the George Fant touchdown. I'm just waiting for it to be like some kind of Harlem Shake, <laughs> uh, or it's going to be something like where like. All the wide receivers jump on his shoulders or something. You know what I mean? Because like, they, they've rehearsed all of Because that man these. is large. Or they all hide behind him in a straight line. <laughs> oh. So you can't see him. <laughs> like, a, like that. And they all appear like behind him. But, like, I mean, they like got to have... A niche that that's a great sure. idea. Doug, if you're li- Doug, if you're listening, and I know you are, uh, you can... Friend of the podcast. Everyone hide behind George Fant, and then you guys all pop out like from behind him like a, like a rushing nesting doll or something. I don't know. All right. Anyway. Or you all run away like he's Godzilla. Any other comments on Green Bay Seattle before we move on to uh, Carolina? No, I think just the fumble leading to the early score changed uh, the complexion of the game. If you take away that early touchdown on kind of the fluke, it was 27-17, which I think falls in line with what a lot of us thought that the game was going to be. And uh, Nathan and Kevin, be careful what you wish for because this game was the first nail in the coffin of Mike McCarthy's career. Uh, Mason Crosby missed a field goal too. He's, yeah. uh, is he done? Is Mason Crosby done? Who knows? Yeah. He's a kicker in the yeah. NFL. Mr. Unreliable. Don't know. All right, let's talk Panthers Seahawks. So the the Seahawks this week headed for a critical battle because this right here a win here could make it so that the Seahawks are in position to get the fifth seed instead of the the sixth seed. So a critical playoff battle 
this week against the Carolina Panthers. In a um, lot of ways, controlling their own destiny. Now, now if we win this game, when, and then we really start to control our own destiny for getting the fifth seed. And the fifth seed will really matter because the number four team in the NFC right now is going to be a team that sucks. It's going to be Washington or maybe Dallas or maybe a bunch of teams that we can beat on the road without breaking a sweat. And it also postpones when we would have to play against New Orleans at home, possibly. Yeah, and I would love to get another shot at the Rams. So, like, being the five seed and then getting another shot at the Rams, I would be so down. The Rams definitely don't want that. Yeah, I want to play the Rams again so bad. Uh, because I really think that they... Th- that we should be able to beat them? We should have won both games. Like, oh my goodness, and the games. Seattle crowd will travel for a playoff game, yeah, I will. and the LA crowd will continue to not show up or care. Yeah, that's, there'll be 60% Rams <laughs> fans in there. Okay, so we've got the Pan- the Panthers this week. The, in Carolina, so far this year, the Panthers are 6-4. and four. They've played um, pretty good football all year, but not... Against not, pretty bad teams. Not spectacular. They haven't, like... Bad team. They haven't won a game that you're like, oh, whoa, that's a... That's a big win. You 33-31 know. versus the Giants at home? Yeah, the 36-21 win against the Ravens is probably their best win of 16 the year. 16-8 to eight in a home game against the Cowboys? 16-8 to eight is such a gross football score. <laughs> I don't. Uh, was that three field goals in the touchdown and the other team got a touchdown and a two-point conversion? I hope it was two touchdowns with two two-point conversions, but I know that wasn't the case. I want two field goals and a safety. The big story this <laughs> right now on the uh, David Justice, I had no idea I influenced Cam Newton in such a positive way. Yeah, they haven't played the Saints yet. That's the thing is that if the Saints need to win at the end of the year, the Carolina's picking up two losses at the end of the schedule. And they could definitely drop one to the Falcons too. Like they should be able to beat the Bucks and the Browns, but they might be cruising for eight and eight. And that's gonna be really disappointing. Yeah, that this is a this is start out six and two. This is kind of a must win for Carolina. Andy Reid coaching Carolina. They're gonna be coming out for the (laughs) they're gonna be coming out for the win though. Like they they need this win. They they need to win this game. So it's be one of those classic scrappy Seahawks versus Carolina games. Their offense run okay. So their offense runs through Cam Newton as always. Their offense uh, runs through uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Cam Newton sixty eight point four percent completion percentage, twenty touchdowns versus just six interceptions. Putting up a, a very strong season this year. A lot of people made fun of Norv Turner, Kevin. I think you're one of them, and I'm one of them definitely. Uh, well, in my in my defense, and in, I should say in our defense. We also looked at North Turner's career before yeah. we did it. And yeah, some, and you're for, comparing for, it to his turkey neck, which isn't nice, guys. For some reason, it's... You guys shouldn't underestimate for my some reason, ability what to call an offense. What he's doing is working. Uh, they're feeding Christian McCaffrey the ball. They're giving Cam Newton quite a lot of rushes. He has 77 rush attempts this year. They're running a really modern NFL offense yeah. with a 75-year-old offensive coordinator. It's really weird. I, it's Their offense is like surprisingly efficient. Hey man, and North they, can't head coach, but he can run an offense. That's true. Except when he got fired for not being able to run yeah. offenses. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's that's in the past. But I've been, but like I said, I've been in, <laughs> I've been mildly impressed with uh, what what Carolina does on offense. I think they run good. They pass pretty decent. Their wide receivers, uh, DJ Moore's coming along pretty quick. Yeah, they play into their skill set for sure. Yeah, but the defense for Carolina, oh boy, sucks. It's uh, they got some pass rushers and uh, they got good linebackers and the secondary is. Uh, There's a guy named Corn Elder. <laughs> Yeah, they have a guy named Corn Elder. Uh, okay, they're second University of Miami's own they're, Corn Elder. They're Carolina. Carolina. Um, I looked at their DVOA stats, and they're number two against number one wide receivers, and then just awful against everything else. Which makes me think, Kevin. Kevin posited maybe they're just double teaming the number one, and, and then letting everyone else beat them. And I looked at the, and I'm looking at it, and I think, man, it might be that might be the case. That might be the case. It does appear to be the case, um, yes. Carolina has They're 26 up. versus wide receiver 2, 30th versus the tight end. So Adams is clearly we, helping out with wide receiver 1s because he's their only good defensive back. We've talked about this before. If you get Jamal Adams, age 80, uh, he's so old. Found a youth. Uh, or Eric, he's, they, have he's, Eric, they have Eric Reed and Jamal Adams. It's I like, like to call him old. defensive Frank Gore. Although Eric Reed isn't that old. He's twenty, like 28 or something. No, but but Adams. Adams is defensive Frank Gore. Do you know that guy played on the Peyton Manning Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, man. Wow. Mike Adams is Mike Adams is like... Mike Adams he, was the other safety along with uh, um, Sanders. If you would have told, like, told me oh, in yeah. like... Uh, you know, a long time ago, like when Mike Adams was on Cleveland, that he that in 2018 he'd have 17 run stops for the Panthers. I'd have been like, "Screw you! That that's not true." That's a different Mike. That's Adams. a different fake. Mike Adams. That's fake. it's a common enough name. 37 and a half years old, still bringing it. Good for him. But here's my main point: 
this team is proof positive that if your two best defensive players are linebackers, your team probably isn't that good. And their third best player is like 800-year-old Julius Peppers. So, yep. I don't know. Adams might be their third best player. No. He's also 800 years old. No, Adams is not. They, I would say Addison and, and Peppers are both better. Quan Short's a good football player, too. Yeah. Uh, their, their That's because he got the Quan. Their defensive line is, is decent. Um, but the Seahawks have shown this year that they can stop pass rushes. And this this team is not like a pass rushing menace or anything. They're Their pass rush is not strong average. enough to expect more than a couple of sacks. It should look a lot like the uh, Dallas game. Yes. I think they have a similar it's level of pass very, rush ability. Very similar. Addison is a strong pass rusher. Peppers is someone you have to pay attention to. But I think if we leave uh, Dwayne one-on-one with one of these guys, he'll get beat once. You know, and that that's fine. Getting beat once the whole game is, is fine. Right. Uh Okay, that in Carolina's offense, we already kind of talked about it. What do you see from the Seahawks' offense in this game? How do we at- how do we attack this Panthers' defense then? So they they're decent at stopping the run. They have good linebackers, so they're probably going to be able to cover our short passes. Are, do you do you see that this is the game we like take the like you said, Kevin? We take the Cadillac out. We start. We really attack them downfield. I think what you're going to end up seeing is actually probably a lot of whichever wide receiver ends up in the slot between Lockett and Baldwin really working the field and finding the spot that the linebackers vacate you're going to see probably a lot less of the tight ends and running backs held into block because they're going to be running those linebackers out of it so passes to the tight end passes to the slot receiver are going to be really big to kind of loosen up the defense a little bit until we can get the run game and the deep passes going i don't see how they're going to stop us from doing what we want to do i just don't think that their defense can really dictate the game that way so it really is about us coming out and running the best version of our offense and making them pick what they're going to get beat by. Because something's going to beat them. We're either going to be able to make those big plays downfield that they can't really handle to uh, Lockett, who beats the cornerback down the sideline by a couple steps or more. I mean, and last week we saw this, uh, I mean, in their game against the, the Lions, who they, they handled, but... The but Kenny Galladay, Galladay just Galladay had him. eight receptions for 113 yards on the outside, and in the slot, Bruce Ellington went six for 52, and he did. And this is he with, did what I like to say. He moved the chains, Kevin. Three first downs on those six catches, <gasps> and that's with the dulcet tones of Marvin Jones out. <laughs> like they were missing their true number one wide receiver. They had to go T.J. Jones on the other side, and that's not the Jones that you want. <laughs> that's that's, that's post, the other that's Jones. Post Motown Jones. Yeah, the the Bradbury Dante Jackson thing is uh, probably. Not their favorite. They also still play Captain Munnerlyn. That's a that's a real NFL player. Yeah, that's, yeah. The Panthers are. Full of thing real they can, NFL we can try to do too is like Shaq, Shaq Thompson's been real medium in coverage this season. We could try to pick on him with our talented tight ends. We can go with Vanette or Dixon. Uh, I've loved the, some of the action the Seahawks have used in the last couple of weeks with the the quick reads to the tight end where they just read and then they yeah those seam passes those seam are really react. really strong yeah, those are really good. We've been running the same play to the other side to the slot receiver too. That was really effective with Ryan Switzer uh, in Pittsburgh. He caught one of those. It was a nice first down catch. I think our slot receivers are a lot better than Ryan Switzer. Yeah. So I think we can run a similar thing because, let's face it, Carolina doesn't have two good cornerbacks, let alone three. Yeah, I'm excited to see the matchup between Bobby and Christian McCaffrey. That I think that's a key to this game. If Bobby can, can be effective bottling up Christian McCaffrey and leading this defense, leading that charge, it, it will go a long way into making, you know, then we force Cam Newton to beat us by himself. Which he 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 makes mistakes. He's a good, really good quarterback, and I think people who listen to this podcast know I'm kind of an apologist. I think he's, you know, top ten, maybe even top five. And he, but he's but he crumbles under pressure. He's mistake, in the blitz. and he's mistake prone, and he's not good against the. He's not good under pressure. He's not good against the blitz. The other thing to keep in consideration is this is likely to be a return game for Michael Kendricks, which means that we immediately have a functioning coverage team outside of just Bobby Wagner. So even if Bobby Wagner is not the one who ends up uh, lined up on Christian McCaffrey, if Bobby Wagner's handling Greg Olson, or if Brad's handling Greg Olson, Bobby can handle McCaffrey, or uh, Brad can handle McCaffrey. So between Kendricks, uh, Wagner, and McDougald, we have three players that I'm really comfortable with any of them covering a combination of Olson and McCaffrey. Which is a team, which is something that not a lot of other teams can say. Well, it depends on where you see McCaffrey because McCaffrey's going to be running, like like you said, Kevin. They run the the game through McCaffrey through about the red zone, and then Cam kind of takes over. Don't forget, Cam will not really hand the ball often 
hand the ball off often to McCaffrey. He'll take it in the end zone. I just he'll pass not to McCaffrey in the end zone. It's really weird. You can see the Panthers. I've seen two of their games. He ignores the running backs in the red zone. Another thing I want to illustrate, like just how much Kevin brought up Cam Newton struggled this year in the in under pressure. And so this year so far, he's with no pressure, seventy six percent completion percentage. That is that is like among the best in the league. When he is kept clean, he is one of the strongest quarterbacks in the in, in the entire. He's book. Drew Brees when clean. Yeah. So when here, let me he's let me uh, sort Nathan by. Peterman when pressured. <laughs> Um, when he's kept, when he's kept clean, he's a top ten quarterback though in terms of of NFL rating. But when not kept clean, when he is pressured, when the, when the pressure is on, under pressure, he's twenty sixth out of twenty nine quarterbacks. What's Jameis Winston? Jameis Winston doesn't qualify by the setting <laughs> that I have it on. I have it at fifty percent of the. Sorry, I knew he wouldn't. I just had that. The ask. league lead in dropbacks is four hundred fifty one right now. That's Kirk Cousins because Minnesota throws way too much, and then. Um, uh, so it's anybody who has more than 50% of that. Yeah, I feel sorry for anyone who has Dalvin music. Cook on their fantasy team. <laughs> uh, we're not going to talk about Shots that. Shots fired. Yeah, it's some <laughs> cur- my curse continues. Okay, uh, so yeah, uh, the, the key is going to be getting pressure on on uh, on Cam Newton, though. Cam Newton, he's, he's so much worse under pressure. You know, his completion percentage drops by 37 points. He has His NFL rating drops by 70 points. He has four of his six interceptions are under pressure. You got to get pressure onto him. And the, this offensive line is kind of like reminds me of ours. It's better than you think after uh, from first glance, but it's not like it's not blowing your 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 doors off or anything. It's not the best. Yeah, this is a below average, but not well below average offensive line. The way that it's utilized and the way that their playmakers are set up kind of hides some of the faults. But let's face it, if you're starting one and a half Khalil's. Not a, not a good thing. Yeah, my um, my here. I want to illustrate too much how much we should appreciate Russell Wilson. So Cam Newton, like we said, he goes from fifth in the league when kept clean to twenty sixth when under pressure. Russ goes from fourth when he's kept clean to sixth when he's on. He's just Russ is awesome. I just, mm-hmm. just wanted to point that out one more time. Please, gentlemen, Russell to, Wilson to, good to, to illustrate just how good. The only other guy who's in the top six for on both of these lists is. Drew Brees. Oh wait, there's two guys, Matt Ryan and Drew Brees. Yep. And those are both really good quarterbacks. That is good company yeah. for our boy to be keeping. The other thing I'd like to point out here is we're talking about his numbers under pressure and the offensive line numbers look pretty good as far as pressure goes. Let's keep in mind they play against the Cowboys, the Falcons, the Bengals, the Giants, Washington, Philadelphia post several injuries. You're kind of listing off a lot of teams with one good pass rusher, Kevin. Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, and Detroit. So yes, the like they're they have not been pressured that much because there's not good pressure getters. If Reed has a good game, if Clark has a good game, this is one of those games that Clark Clark could easily flash and come up with like two and a half sacks, and somebody else could just eat the right tackle's lunch while they have to shift their attention over to Clark. Yeah, I mean they're they're this team just. I said it before the podcast, and I think that I still believe it that. This team just reminds me of just a slightly worse Seahawks. Like they, they're an uh, they're an offensive line that's better than you think, but just slightly worse than the Seahawks. They have a quarterback who is pretty good, but just slightly worse. Like they, their offense is slightly worse than everyone. Their defense is the same thing. They have a really good middle linebacker, but he's just slightly worse than the Seahawks. Come at me, Carolina <laughs> Panthers fans. Fact. Uh, they, they're. You, know, you can't argue with they that. Have young, science, they have young baby. cornerbacks who are just slightly worse than the young cornerbacks for the season. It's just it's this. It's like looking in a mirror at a slightly worse team, but because so it's like is, a funhouse mirror and everything's like three inches shorter. Because the game is in Carolina, I am a little worried. I think that makes that pretty much evens the scale. I would so, agree. So now I want to get to the to our predictions. Okay, so the, we we agree that this is kind of like a uh, slightly worse version of the Seahawks, but playing in Carolina evens it out. So, Eric. What are your thoughts about the final final score of this game? Where do you think we're heading? I expect to see, like we spoke a lot before about uh, kind of fooling their cornerbacks into who they're going to have to cover. I expect some four, maybe five receiver fronts from the Seahawks because I feel like that is how we break this game open. It's going to be high scoring because the Seahawks can score despite hating our offensive coordinator at times. I see the Seahawks at... 28 
and I see the Carolina Panthers. At 20. All right, Kevin, where do you where do you like this? Where do you see this one heading? Uh, I like that 28-20 score. I'm in a really similar spot. Um, I think we're going to have to score some in order to come out on top on a game like this. I think I could see them kind of making a push, but it's one of those things where we get the ball back and are able to kind of bleed out the clock at the end. So I'm going with 30-21 to 21 is the score I have written down. All right, and I'm going to go – I'm actually going to just join up with Eric. I was thinking 28-21, but I'm just going to go 28-20. Eric, I'm with you 100%. I think that this is a game where the Seahawks get uh, get it. Get in there. Okay, I'm going to talk DVOA playoff odds now. Uh, so Seattle – has 45% chance to make the playoffs. It's the By the way, our uh, Twitter followers were asking about this too, so this third, is partially to answer you Third best, uh, behind Minnesota, 45.9. Carolina has a 60% chance. Then they, you know, slight wild card chances. Uh, the other teams with wild card chances are um, Green Bay and uh, Atlanta. So that's basically five teams fighting for two spots. Okay, I'm going to just eliminate Atlanta right away. If we can beat Carolina this week, it puts us in such the driver's seat to to be the the last or to be the fifth seed and even have some wiggle room to lose a game uh because we have to play kansas city do you so how important is this game to you do you do you think that if we lose this game like is it is are we dire straits like should we really be be scared or is this is this how important is this game for the seattle seahawks this week i think if we lose this game then we need to beat kansas city and i don't feel comfortable saying that if we win this game I'm not worried. If we lose this game, I am worried it's going to be like last season where we get into the very end, we end up with a record the same as the other playoff teams, but due to tiebreakers and other factors, we end up missing out on the last spot. Uh, For me, this game is proof that we are a playoff team. If we win this game, we have to beat Minnesota, which is doable. We have to beat San Francisco, Arizona, bad teams. Uh, I don't like our chances against Kansas City. The more I watch them, that confidence is kind of slowly fading away. I'm with Kevin here. The only difference is that if we lose this game and we're still hoping for the playoffs, what's the point? I mean, this is it's going to be a weird season because I wasn't expecting a lot, but we've kind of relo- retooled, reloaded more than I thought we would, quicker than I thought we would. We should win this game. If we really believe we're a playoff team, we need to win this game. And I kind of want to comment on what you just said, Eric, that we retold, re-looked faster than what we said. Because we all kind of expected this team to be 9-7, and seven, but I don't think that we expected this team to get to 9-7 and seven like this. Like, I would have expected us to be 9-7, and seven, but we maybe we get our asses kicked by the Rams. You know what I mean? Like, the team has... Yeah, we're, lo- we, we were going to be the good-bad team. The team has been competitive in games that I did not suspect they would be competitive in, that I thought... Uh, that's an, that's an L, and it's not going to be particularly close. No, we looked good in basically every game. I mean, there hasn't been a game this year where I've just been demoralized the whole game. Yeah, we look like a young team that has to learn how to close yeah. it out. So so that it gets it gets me excited. Like The expectations are a little higher than maybe they were at the beginning of the year, even though I'm still angling for the exact same record, right? I'm mm-hmm. still angling, angling for 9-7. and seven. I just... I expected us to get there by beating up bad teams. We get to play Arizona twice and San Francisco twice, and and then but now maybe maybe we didn't need that. Maybe we just we're just you know kind of good. And ten and six being in the in the um, sites is really really big. Yeah. All right. Any any uh, any final comments before Kevin gives us? This is like the most exciting college football weekend of the whole season. Oh so man, it's really rival, sweet. Rivalry week and rivalry. Um, it should should be really fun. Uh, Eric, any last comments? Apple Cup. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Kevin. Uh, do you, do you want to, are you going to do it by time slot? Are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? All right, we're going to go ahead and go through this. Uh, Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. Don't watch, fo- don't watch football. Just Moving don't even, on. Don't even watch NFL football. Like, all these games are bad. Yeah, it's pretty bad. You can watch New Orleans for a couple of, like, for, like, one quarter. Watch them. Like, if you have up, a like, Saints player points. on your fantasy team, enjoy this game. That's about it. Uh, we're going to skip all the way to Friday afternoon. So, at one fifteen, UCF is playing at South Florida which should be an interesting test for UCF. South Florida is not great this year, but if you want a chance to see like kind of a, a prime-ish spot for UCF and you watch that Cincinnati game, this is another chance to kind of see what they're if made If you want to see the next Russell Wilson play for UCF, the Mackenzie guy... Mackenzie Milton, I like that this, kid. Yeah, Mackenzie Milton. This Mackenzie Milton, Mike. Hey, you ready for this, Kevin? I'm going to give you my Mackenzie Milton take, Kevin. is that if Mackenzie Milton was six foot four, 
he would be like a fringy first round quarterback, but instead, Absolutely. instead he's like a maybe not even get drafted because he's five eleven, which makes me feel like hey, you know, there's there's potential there. You, you pick a guy up late, maybe he turns out because he's if he picked him skilled. up as a UDFA, I would be so happy. Yeah. Um. All right, and then we skip to the night games. There are just two bangers at night, and what we're gonna be, what you basically want to do is, you know, if you're a if you're a Washington homer. Um, then the Apple Cup is what you're following. So, and by Washington Homer, I mean State of Washington, not University of Washington, though also that. So, uh, Washington, Washington State, which is going to be basically for the Pac 12 North title. Um, this is a really interesting game. This should be really fun to watch. There, there, is there a path where, like, someone else wins the Pac 12 title? If no, no, there's not. No, I don't believe so. Uh, you no, know, this is for the Pac 12 title. Yeah. And then, uh, so the right to play Utah. And then Oklahoma is at West Virginia. That game is going to be a ton of points. Oklahoma should just be better and be able to win. But don't be shocked if West Virginia pulls off the upset. The cool thing is if West Virginia wins, then do you know who Oklahoma plays in the... Um, Texas. No, they play West Virginia. What? I if, thought... if West Virginia beats Oklahoma... Oh, yeah. I want, I want Oklahoma to play Texas again. Do you know why? Because they'll beat him? More exposure to Lil Jordan Humphrey. Lil Jordan Humphrey is so good. <laughs> He's the Did best. you see that tweet? Someone best tweeted name. out that they can't wait to have a kid because uh, they're going to name their kid Lil, Little Lil, Lil Jordan, Jordan Humphrey. Humphrey. Yeah, because that. that's the dumbest, coolest thing. Uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey, one thing I like about him, too, is he's Is that he's giant. not Lil? He's a giant. Yes. It's, it's big Jordan, Jordan Humphrey. He's large huge. Jordan Humphrey. Okay, then we go to Saturday morning. We got Michigan, Saturday Ohio morning, State. Saturday right? morning, we have Hate Week. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan should be better, but Ohio State's ceiling is so high. And it's in Ohio State, you know, it's any anything can happen. Ohio State's defense seems like they were a little too Bosa dependent. That, that's my take on them. Michigan's defense is elite, and I think their offense has figured out what they're doing, though. Yeah, Shea uh, Patterson is like a real quarterback. And keep a sideways eye on Georgia Tech, who could do just enough to screw with Georgia. That'll be kind of fun to check yeah, out. Georgia Tech plus 17 is a very tempting line, I'm not going to lie, because they play such a slow pace. Yeah, but it's I, hard to outscore them by more than two touchdowns. Yeah. Um, then you get to basically ignore football for most of the rest of the day, because in my opinion, the next really interesting set of games happens at night, and that is 7.15 p.m., Utah State, Boise State. Oh, you're, you're skipping past A&M LSU? Yes. Really, I think AM LSU gonna... is incredibly boring to watch. Yeah, they're boring. Okay, I I mean just from AM a... also kind of boring to watch. Together, extremely boring. I to really watch. want AM <laughs> to beat LSU. I guess maybe that's why I'm. I want people it. to be fans of college football. Telling them to watch <laughs> LSU is not a good way to make that's that true. happen. LSU sucks. I'm so boring. But they're <laughs> they're they grind you into paste. And their uh and their head coach is really entertaining to listen to. So Utah State Boise State is just really fun. Uh, this is two, for the Mountain West, right? They're two very good Mountain West teams. I don't know. Fresno State's done really well. Oh no, Matt, Matt, uh, yes, the Mountain State Mountain part will be decided by this game. Correct, because uh, Boise State beat Fresno State. Well, well Fresno so, State's in the West too, right? So it's the right to play against <laughs> the, Fresno. The State. Mountain West has two conferences. The yeah, the Mountain, mountain West West <laughs> and the, the Mountain Mountain West. The Mountain Mountain. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> That's that is college football. Right there. Oh, man. So this should just what be a really mountain, fun mountain week. Voice. And then next week you get to watch the conference championship games. So all of this together should just be a really good time. And if, if you want to become a college football fan, this is the point where you start watching. It's sort of like if you're a college basketball fan and you only watch the tournament. This is the equivalent of that. Start watching now. Watch till the end of the year and there'll be a lot of really fun stuff. And I think like for me, as from a Seahawks perspective, I've been watching cornerbacks, wide receivers, um, because I do think at some point... And that Michigan-Ohio State game is going to be uh, really then, good for watching defensive, defensive players. Defensive linemen. Like, those are the positions I see the Seahawks really targeting. Oh, so, so keep your uh, keep your eyes Can open. Can we just draft Clemson's that. D-line? Uh, Clemson's going to... Clemson's D-line is Clemson so is good. is just going to kill South Carolina this week. Like, it is <laughs> going to be really gonna be a bloodbath. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's let's get into the, uh, the, the My Favorite Part podcast where I get to talk about uh, the money zone. Here we go. Ready? Uh, if you want to give the Seahawks Nest podcast your money, your hard-earned cash, we are almost to our first goal of $100, guys. We had picked up another Patreon this week. Woo. Thank you to Matt. Uh, the the um, We are now closing closing in. We are at 91. Big shots, Matt. We're at 91. So once we get to 100, remember, we're going to have a live stream uh, trivia contest where we give away some prizes and stuff. Should be a great time. It's kind of a party to celebrate us reaching our first milestone. And then we'll set our next goal, which will be video content. Uh-oh. Kevin, we're gonna have to get we're gonna have to just get some makeup, some stage makeup. Oh, 
you can't fix this kind of ugly. <laughs> All right, uh, so let's thank Forrest voice, Richard Tom. Uh, face for radio and a voice for print. Forrest Richard Tom Lucas, Carrie Chekatilla, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Mirza, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Michelle, Matt, Michael, and Nick. Thank you so much. You guys are helping us out and uh, keeping us rolling on the pod uh, if you don't have any money you want to help us out facebook.com slash the seahawks nest or twitter.com slash seahawks nest or go on to your favorite app uh your favorite your itunes your uh, stitcher your soundcloud uh give us five stars give us a heart give us a like um all that stupid stuff i know it's dumb but you uh you it helps us more than you think uh, it makes people- a big difference Helps people find the podcast. We're up to 45 five-star ratings on iTunes. That's ah, all because of y'all. Um, very nice. You guys got 24 to go until you'll make me and Gronk happy. Okay. Uh, so, so, um, <laughs> so dumb. A Gronking to remember. It's so dumb. All right. We're, we're, every week we're like, don't. Just take it away. Don't don't add it to it. Exactly. All right. Uh, movie club. Uh, we had some discussion today. We, we realized that we talked about Creed already and kind of sales pitch that we talked to maybe a little bit about there's lots of new releases coming out this week uh there's a robin hood movie coming out i thought about like just saying like what's the best robin hood movie but then i knew we'd say robin, hood, robin men in tights. hood eliminator no it, it's just robin <laughs> hood men, it's just robin hood men in tights man it is that's the best that robin is the best hood one movie. carrie uh, Ewells. but um i so i ended up just settling on talking about wreck it ralph um wreck it ralph uh is it Okay, one, people don't maybe don't know this about me. Maybe you figured it out from these movie club segments. I go hard for my boy John C. Riley. I love John C. Riley. Like, more than is probably reasonable. John C. Riley <laughs> is a massively underrated actor, in my opinion. God, serious, dramatic, and comedic chops can do so many different things. I, yo, it's Oscar kind of nominated. Fun. I'm really looking forward to seeing him in Stan and Ollie. I'm really excited to. I still need to see the sisters. Sisters brothers, brothers too. yeah, exactly. That movie came to theaters and then left. But I have a baby, so it's like really hard to get out of out into the uh, out into the world to see, to see movies. But, but you saw him in Kong Skull Island, which I still need to see, and yeah, that you movie, love that movie is surprisingly good. And it's mostly because John C. Riley is like the emotional heart of that film. Uh, he was really enjoyable in The Lobster in a really weird role. He has like a lot of these really like um, his role in Guardians of the Galaxy short charming the fact that it was john c Riley made it more impactful yeah i uh, i agree he does a lot of just wonderful little things like scroll, scrolling through his imdb there's just a lot of really enjoyable parts that he had um he's in some very odd movies so like uh there was a animated movie nine that came out a number of years ago that didn't really get a lot of play. He played the voice of number five, which is a memorable character in a weird way. Um, he was the Sasquatch in Tenacious D Pick of Destiny. That's a thing that happened. And then he was also in The Aviator. He yeah. was Amos Hart in Chicago. Right. Happy Jack Mulraney in Gangs of New York. But let's talk about let's talk about. Um, I just want to talk about John C. Reilly. Let's somewhere. talk about Wreck-It Ralph. Okay. Okay. Step, Step Brothers, underrated, underrated, um, but also overrated movie. The That's... Thin Red Line, Sergeant Storm. Okay, Wreck-It Ralph. Boogie Nights, Reith Rothschild. In this movie, he plays Wreck-It Ralph, who is like the villain of a of a like a fictional Donkey Kong ripoff called Fix It Felix. Uh, he. He decides. So after the games all get shut off, they the video He's game characters bad, and that's good. The video game characters all go into like a power strip and like hang out. That's like the the plot of of the beginning of the movie. This right? is basically Toy Story if toys existed behind screens. Anyway, he decides he's gonna like risk it. He's gonna go be in some other video games. Like he's gonna go. So he goes to like a first person shooter. He goes into like a. Well, remember, it's because he wants to win a medal and be the hero because he's tired of having to live in the dump. Yeah, he's tired of Jack Jack McBrayer who plays uh, Fix It Felix, <laughs> and like he's tired of <laughs> who like, plays just... Fix It Felix so well. Yeah, he's so great. Just an obnoxious character. Yeah, he's just such an idiot. So then, uh, <laughs> then he he ends up in Sugar Rush, which is like a racing game, you know. And so, uh, they team up with like a bunch of old game characters, like Qbert and stuff. Or they're gonna go to like, and then. They, they end up in this racing game, and he's got to become like, be the hero. Yeah, you're right, Kevin. The plot of the movie is, like, he's tired of being the villain. He's got to figure out how to be how to be a hero. Yeah, and so what's kind of cool is it has this whole overarching theme, which is uh, there's kind of the 
the cat the way that you're cast in life and learning how to be happy with that while balancing being the type of person you want to be and in the end he ends up figuring out like it's okay to be the bad guy in the game if i'm not the bad guy in real life yeah um but on the way to do so you keep they keep dropping these hints about you know you don't want to go turbo and they keep talking about turbo well do you guys know who voices turbo uh, Turbo is voiced by... The snail, Ryan Reynolds? Alan Tudyk. Yeah, but it, isn't he also, like, Who's King Candy and the, the bad guy in the movie? Th- that's the same person. Yeah, it's the Remember, same Remember, you end up figuring out King Candy is Turbo. Oh, okay. Who's yeah, yeah. trying to keep Sarah Silverman's character from being able to race, because if she crosses the finish line, it resets the glitch. So, it has this kind of, um... It, it has, like, a, a really good... Uh, solid plot for a family movie. This is one of those movies that firmly resides in the family movie territory while being really charming and fun to watch. They also did like a good job like throwing some like fun uh, like video game cameos in this. They got like Sonic and Tapper, uh, Pac-Man, Q-Bert. Q-Bert's like a voiced character in this movie. Yes. (laughs) Just hilarious. Ryu, Ken Masters, and Bison. You know, like all the Street Fighter characters. I'm, and I'm excited for the second one because they're good. It's like you know, Wreck It Ralph takes over the internet, um, or breaks the internet or something, and they're, they're gonna like you know show their like, goofy take on internet culture, and uh, I think it'll be fun. Ho- hopefully, it's not like overly consumeristic. That's like the thing I get really afraid of when I, when I'm uh, when I'm getting into a movie like this. Also, because it's a sequel, that does make for an additional worry, I'll be in all, to be honest. I mean, the plot says, while they find a source for a replacement meal, they need money, leading them to join a free-to-play violent racing game called Slaughter Race. <laughs> I mean, that is a great plot hook, and that makes me really excited. And Gal Gadot is one of the racers in Slaughter Race, so you know, it should be, should be pretty sweet, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Alright, any, uh, any other uh, like uh, Wreck-It Ralph or, or uh, John C. Riley comments? You guys, you have a favorite John C. Riley role, Eric? Uh, oh man, a lot. I mean, maybe uh, Gangs of New York. Don't it's a you serious do turn. it? Don't you do it's it, great. Eric Ronneback? Don't oh. you do it? I like I like Boogie Nights, man. Oh, dude, walk Boogie hard, Nights, man. Is, uh, walk hard is such an underrated movie. I'm gonna walk hard. I'm gonna need some of that cocaine. I want some of that cocaine. <laughs> and so you st- never paid for drugs, not once. <laughs> That movie is like that movie's hilarious. I just think people need to watch it. Like the, when he they, rips knows about all the sinks off of the public maybe we should have done maybe we should have done this movie. Like we have a tenuous enough connection. To we this are movie. going to start talking about it now. Screw all right, it. yeah, let's do. We got three minutes don't, left. Yeah, don't do too long. All right, so then uh, Walk Hard the Dewey Cox movie is a movie that was ignored for no reason. It's incredibly dumb. If you like Pop Star and you took our recommendation for that, then go watch Walk Hard. But you've probably already seen it because clearly you have great taste in what's movies. What's your, what's your like, like, I don't know, the, the, there's so many like good things. Like Jack White's weird cameo as Elvis Presley, <laughs> it is so good. But He's that's so... all. We are Paul McCartney of the Beatles. Isn't that right, John Lennon of the Beatles? <laughs> yes, Ringo Starr of the Beatles. And it's what, it's like, and Jack Black is, it's like Jack Black, Paul Rudd. Uh, it's like a bunch of people that you know it that is. are all playing the Beatles. By far, my favorite thing in the entire one, though, is just the running gag with the dad. You mean something like, wrong kid, dad. And just that antagonistic relationship. It's so horrible, but they play it to such an I never knew how easy it was to chop someone in half with a machete until I'd done it to myself. The, it's <laughs> Eric, what is your favorite scene from Walk Hard? I mean, the Dewey we, talk, Fox, we right? talked about this last week on the ride home, man. I have not seen that movie. You have not Remember? seen it? Yeah. I know, but I need to bring that up so that you can cop yeah. to it because you, now you need to go see that movie. If it's on, it's and really I, enjoyable. It's streaming, at the I end will of, watch it. At the end of the movie, like it... <laughs> There's a player named Lachaim and his son is named Dreidel and like they're, they're, it's there's just so like cr- dumb. the craziest stuff happens. It's so and they smell blind. It keeps just escalating. When he's just like smelling the dog shit. You, oh, what about like when he's in the, walks in the room? My baby's gone smell blind. Well, you can't you can't smell that, Dewey. You know I can't. Yes, he's so. <laughs> you know I can't smell. <laughs> it's like so dumb. All right. Yes, uh, the shock sends him smell blind. I, the scene when the dad's dancing with the mom. Like, he, like, it looks like he's just going to accept Dewey Cox's lifestyle, and they're dancing to his song, because he's like an Elvis Presley-style singer at this point, and she trips over the radio cord and falls out the window and dies. 
I don't even give a shit if it's spoilers. This is funny when you see it. This movie is just uh, an exercise in absurdity yeah, in all the best it's ways. It's so absurd because they're like, there's like at the end of the movie when like the. Uh, no, I don't want to ruin it. Maybe you just want to watch <laughs> yes, it. Yes, the very end of the movie is excellent and perfectly fitting. It's, it has a postscript it, that fits the movie exactly. If you can't, if you can't handle like <laughs> things being really dumb, this movie's not for you. But if you liked Popstar, never stop, never stop. I think that's a. I will be honest. I think that's a slightly better movie than this. But they're they're very similar. Maybe, but they're very similar. Yeah, it, it. I think if you like the one, you should like the other. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, it, it's all this movie's all about John C. Riley though. John C. Riley just crushes in this movie. Yes. All right, for Eric Ronenbeck, for Kevin Garber, we will see you next week. Go Hawks. <laughs> <laughs>